Scott. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. Me too. And this is our eighth episode of The Bookcase. And we have two new books. The first one is The Course in Love by Alain de Botton, or I don't even know how to say that. It's funny to hear him because you'd think he'd be French with a French accent, but yeah. he's got a heavy British accent. So. <laughs> okay. And then our second book is The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm. And one of these books is really of recent origin. The other, the one that you held up, The Art of Loving by Fromm, is from the mid-1950s. So they're quite a few years apart. And I think there's a bit of a backstory about why these books and how these books. Well, so this is actually a book of fiction. And in the course of doing our bookcases, I've, I, I think I made a suggestion several months ago that we do a fiction book. And you had kind of lamented that you didn't really like to read fiction. You, you, had, you had so many interests. You had only, you know, limited time to read. And you actually kind of thought you might be wasting time by reading fiction. And that's very true. I, I read hardly any fiction. And I think that part of the reason for that, that I say to myself, is that I have such a tenuous grasp on reality. I've always been trying to figure out what everybody else seems to know intuitively. I, I need somebody to explain things to me clearly. And that's why I've left out fiction. And no, I don't need any emails from listeners saying how fiction can illuminate reality. I think that's going to become clear from this new book that we read. So I had happened to <clears throat> read, read this. I'm, I'm in a book club and thankfully somebody picked this book because uh, I think we would agree that it's, it's a pretty fantastic little read. It's, it's not only fiction, but there's some self-help and even some psychotherapy involved in it. And, and it's eminently relatable. I, I think anybody who's been in a long-term relationship can feel the pages coming alive because it, it, seems, it seems true to reality. It really does. And the author not only has a way with words, but he speaks about experiences as though he had been watching you closely. That is, as you say, as long as you've ever been in a long-term committed relationship because he portrays love in such a realistic way, something that is imminently relatable. And it goes back and forth between the story of these two characters meeting and being in love, I would say, rather than falling in love, through all the trials, difficulties, and tribulations, joys, triumphs, and failures that that entails. Personally, I thought, because of course he does, they do have an episode where they enter psychotherapy. I found that the least relatable, least compelling part of the story, but the back and forth between this two couple peering into their thoughts about the other, wow, it was very moving. Yeah, I would, I was worried that, that maybe some of that 
psychotherapy at the, at the end might have been a little bit contrived. And at the same time, I, I do think it, it kind of ties things together in, in this fictional story. Say some more about what you mean, how it ties it together. Well, so, so the, the therapist that, that, that this couple sees at the end is a, an expert in attachment styles. And suffice it to say, she diagnoses the couple as having different attachment styles, anxious versus avoidant. And it, I, I think when you look back on the, the story of each of the, the husband and wife, you, you can kind of see that happening. Well, and again, not to be too critical because uh, is this book worth reading? Yes. Whether you are thinking of entering a relationship and you want it to last, or you've been in one and you would like it to last and, and deepen. For me, the section on therapy would have rung more true if it would have been the entire book. Then we could have had the same kind of nuance that had been presented about the relationship between these two people in general. But as it is, I felt like I was being hit over the head with attachment theory when they discussed in abbreviated fashion the therapist's seeming ability to know exactly what was going on and help them in exactly the way that they, that they needed. I'd also say that when the book ended, I felt a sense of wonder, not wonder and awe, but wonder about what would happen next. And there's a little bit of foreshadowing there at the end. I don't know if you remember that part where the author says that this couple could somehow the, the marriage could disintegrate or marriage could stay together. I think, I think the implication is that it, it, it stays together, but I think there's a, a little foreshadowing. You're, you're not, you're not quite sure. You're not. And I had that feeling just so you know, throughout, I wondered, is this going to end? Are we going to see two people living in separate apartments, taking care of their kids as happens in 50% of marriages nowadays. And we don't want to give it away uh, and yeah. spoil what happens. It really does lay out the back and forth between two human beings coming to truly love one another, which is related to, I think, Dan, the second book. And it's why I suggested when you brought up The Course in Love that we maybe take and read this book by the psychoanalyst Eric Fromm, which I was assigned to read as an undergraduate. I don't remember the particular course. Maybe it was a course on adulthood or personality, whatever. And at the time, I hated the book. So I think I was striking back at you for making me read fiction. <laughs> yeah, and so the way I read these books was I, I first read this book uh, with my book club six months ago. And then a few weeks ago, I picked up this book. And thankfully, it's a, it's a skinny little book. It's 120 pages. And then just last week, I went back and read this again, and I'll be honest with you, I had a hard time going back to this book in the last few days because it's, I think the word you use, it's kind of got a stern tone. I felt like I was being lectured to. Yeah. 
And at the same time, the concepts in there are, are pretty remarkable. I mean, there, there's some very dated things that particularly views on, on homosexuality and you know, same-sex relationships. But the overall, some of the ideas, love as, a, as an art and as a skill that, that has to be practiced and developed, pretty fantastic. It's amazing because you have to wonder why of all of the books that Fromm wrote, and he wrote many, this book has remained in print since 1956, I think was the first printing of it. So there must be something in there that cuts across ages and cultures since it's enjoyed such longevity. As you say, some of the interpretations are laughable and also an indication that the author really had not experienced, nor did he have experience with what he was commenting on. So same-sex relationships, for example, he places clearly within a pathological framework and language, something to be cured, not understood and appreciated. But besides that, like you say, the material that is presented actually has lots of similarities. Although, as you say, in a much more direct, aimed at your brain, a cognitive approach, I'll say that the book was long on lecture and short on practical advice, other than the strongly implied idea that love, the ability to love, is not something you're born with. It's something that has to be developed and modeled and practiced by pushing at the edges of what you're currently capable of. That stands in distinct and sharp contrast to this, which inspired in me a sense of compassion for my own partner that easily gets forgotten in the length of the relationship and the irritations of day-to-day -day married life. Absolutely. And I thought that it was interesting because in here, Fromm is, is very critical of, I mean, I think he says something like, truly somebody who's loving is, is very rare to find. Hmm. And I, I contrast that statement with what I've read about his, his own personal life where he had, it appears as if he had multiple relationships. I know he was, I think he was married two or three times, but he also had loves of his life that he wasn't married to. And it, it just doesn't, without sounding too judgmental, it just does not sound like he lived an exemplary life as far as some of his own advice or values. That's that's so interesting, Dan, because that's a dilemma, I think, for every mental health professional. And I know, I have to say, I feel judgy when I'm seeing an expert. You know, when I go to talk to the guy who does my taxes, I want him driving a Mercedes that's paid for and living in a mansion. If I go to see a physician, I would rather they be the picture of health rather than looking sickly and on the receiving end of a lifetime of bad habits. Uh, maybe that's wrong, 
The same thing in mental health that we're often in the position of advising and trying to help around issues that we ourselves may actually struggle mightily with. Right. I wonder about that. I mean, I, I guess I, I found in my own life that I'm, I'm uniquely blind. Maybe that's one, one reason that it, it's probably good for therapists to be in therapy themselves or, or certainly a, a reasonable option. Hmm. I guess as I, as I think about this, that there's a difference between that I found in the course of love versus an Eric Fromm. I, I would be more forgiving, for example, if I found out that Hélène de Botton, I don't know how to say this again. Right. How have you heard it said? De Botton? Is that what it was? I, I've heard people say de Botton, and I've heard people say de Botton. De Botton. Okay. Whichever one it is, we, apologies to the, to the author. I would find it much more easy to forgive Hélène de Botton if he struggled in his relationships than I do Eric Fromm because Fromm takes this position almost of an expert, of someone who is better than the rest of us at this. He's, as you said, lecturing us. Whereas Baton gives you a, it's not an ideal picture. It's not a romance novel, which I have to tell you, Dan, when you recommended this, I thought, okay, I'm going to be reading about Biff and Barbara, who are perfect physical and emotional beings that go off and have a torrid and amazing sexual relationship that lasts the rest of their life in, in Provence, someplace beautiful in the sun in the Mediterranean, all my fantasies. I would be more forgiving of de Botton than I would have from. Right. So right. maybe that's the picture. Maybe that's the or the moral of the story. And I, and I think, I, I don't know if you've mentioned it, we've kind of skirted the subject, but this, this book goes back and forth between the story and then a kind of a, I don't know if it, it primer is the word, but it's a series of little paragraphs about romanticism and this, in essence, misguided idea of what romantic love is or the, the theory of, of romance. And I think one of the really interesting concepts about that is that where you, you, you meet a couple and you're always, well, how did you meet? Yeah. You know, where did it start? Yeah. And there's this focus on this time when they're falling together in love. And that's, that's just a very small part of, of the course of a, of a loving relationship over a long period of time. And, and yet as a society and as a culture, we're way too fascinated by this, this spark that, that ignites things rather than the, the fuel that, that keeps the flame going over, over all those years. And, and a longing to return to that at some level, you see it in movies and in books. And again, that's why I was worried about this particular volume. And that's also something that Fromm addresses head on, that the notion of romantic love is a very recent phenomenon, that its duration 
is very brief and that the big challenge in love is moving beyond hoping that you find somebody who loves you to developing your capacity to love others first and foremost. And it's an interesting development that happens naturally and over time in here, but which Fromm speaks to directly in almost that, as you said, stern lecturing voice. And I don't want to come down too hard on this because I do actually think it's, it's a very useful thing to read. At least it, it changed my thought process in my head about even, even my, myself and how I can become more loving in general. And so even with its stern tone and some outdated references, it's, I do think it's useful reading for pretty much anybody. In fact, 66 years on, it's amazing how prescient his words are. He essentially predicts the epidemic of loneliness we have in our culture, the inability of couples to stay committed to one another, the division inherent in our U.S. politic and in social media. All that is predicted decades and decades before it occurs. Yeah, and, and not the least of which is all of the distraction. Back then, the distractions were smoking, drinking, reading. Can you imagine him today looking at dating apps and you know, the commodification of relationships and, and worth of a human? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess our recommendation for both books, Dan, would be they're worth a read. They are, absolutely. Perfect. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Scott. I found a new person to test out my luck. Is it?